Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. I think I feel like I'm like Madonna now. I'm just, I'm like Rebecca Levy. I have no other thing. (laughs) It's so funny because on our blog posts, I always like, I would list all three of us as you introed and then link us to somewhere. And when I didn't have anywhere to link you to, I was like, I can't just leave her name off. So now you're just on there, like linked to nowhere. I guess it's you a place to my uh, my LinkedIn. It's it's an yeah. evolution. It's an evolution of Rebecca. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, what else can I destroy and take down that I built over the last ten years? <laughs> um, no, you're um, building up. I am building up. I am pivoting. Um, no, I'm so happy. I don't want listeners to get the wrong idea. I'm actually incredibly happy. Um, but today on the show, I'm also happy about having Dr. Cindy Blanco on the show. She is a senior learning scientist at Duolingo, which is um, a language learning app for foreign languages. And now also they have a new product, Duolingo ABC, which is a literacy app for kids three to seven. And we've really never had this conversation about what it means to learn a foreign language, how you can introduce foreign language uh, learning in your home. And boy, did this seem like the time because um, everyone's kids are doing either blended or remote. There's very few people who I think their kids are at school. And you know what? Even if they're at school, this is not a normal year. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, one of my uh, friends whose son is at a big state school said the only class they were going to have in person was the foreign language class, um, socially distanced without masks on because everyone has to have face shield because the teachers feel like they need to see oh, yeah. <laughs> the kids speaking and enunciating and that it's important for the kids to see them enunciating. Like how, you know, in a lot of foreign languages, you're you're moving your tongue totally differently. You're moving your lips differently. Um so I thought that was really interesting because I had never thought of that before. Well, I, I mean, every time I go to like a restaurant to get takeout or go to the, the store, it's just, you know, in New York, there's so many people who are speaking English as a second language and there are a lot of heavy accents and having the masks on and not being able to see lips makes everything so much harder. Oh, it yeah. is so much harder. And I mean, I know there's this is a totally off topic, but I know there's a big movement in like the deaf community and the hearing impaired community because so many people are lip readers. Huh. Um, and rely on lip reading. And so uh, it's really, um, you don't really kind of think about those larger ramifications of just understanding each other. But regardless of all that, in the safety of your own home, <laughs> yes, um, you know, speak, speak as you may. Um, so we will have uh, Dr. Cindy Blanco on when we get back and we will have this discussion about you know, how to learn a foreign language, why it's great to learn a foreign language, um, and then also how to boost your little kids in your home, how to boost their literacy during this time, um, and maybe even accelerate it, but certainly help them enrich um, reading and writing and sounds right in your own home. And it doesn't have to be screen time. It's it's really a lot of it's, it's some of it's visual, but it's also very audio. So it's a, it's a good thing to incorporate into your remote learning routine um, or your pod. And we will be right back with Dr. Cindy Blanco. We are back with Dr. Cindy Blanco, senior learning scientist at Duolingo, where she develops new ways to teach languages through technology. Hi, Cindy. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're really excited to have you on. You know, we've never um, 
done a whole show about teaching kids foreign language, sort of what the importance is of learning a foreign language. And I think with the pandemic now segueing into pandemic slash really remote learning for most people, yeah. um, I think parents are looking at how to enrich um, what their kids are doing, maybe not just survive it. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and language is one of those things that schools don't do great to begin with. Um, and that parents may be looking for um, just introducing their kids to something new and interesting and fun. And so we we're so happy to have you on to talk about, you know, how to do this and and why, why it's important for kids to be um, learning other languages or very least exposed to other languages. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kids have some advantages uh, when learning lots of kinds of information, but especially with with language learning. And so it's a really great idea to introduce kids to other languages um, early, probably earlier than many schools in the U.S. Uh, typically introduce kids to foreign languages. Um, and so there's like you know, real concrete learning outcomes, but it can also be really fun. Uh, you know, there's lots of ways that kids can interact with languages um, that's highly motivating and that you can really personalize. So I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that. When, you know, a, a parent thinks about teaching their kid a foreign language, a lot of times, um, and I'm not talking about households that are naturally bilingual or multilingual, mm-hmm. but really like a household where you all speak one language. Um, And in this case, I'm going to say for most of our listeners, that's probably English. Um, How would you even decide what language your kid, you know, you'd want them to learn? Or how are you going to go about figuring out, you know, what your kid would be um, maybe more open to? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, And there's no right, you know, there's no one single answer to that. You know, lots of families will have um, a cultural or family reason, you know, maybe grandparents or great grandparents came um, to the U.S. speaking another language. And, you know, some kids might be really interested in that as a way to connect with um, other parts of their family. Um, But there could be other really good reasons about um, whether your child is interested in certain kinds of music or movies or, um, you know, even online video gaming communities. Um, But I think it is a really good point to find something that is motivating to your child that will help them build a habit and stick with it. And so that could be, you know, that they like, I don't know, are really interested in K-pop and then Korean, (laughs) even if it's, you know, your family doesn't have a history with Korean, that could be a good enough reason to really get them engaged and stick with it. And and that's really the goal of of learning. Um, Learning another language is is to find ways for them to, to make it personal. I think sticking with it is, um, the hardest part. <laughs> and I'm going to say that as someone who I'm not, I'm going to confess right now, every Black Friday or Cyber Monday, I buy a language class. I just do. Like they're <laughs> on super sale. And I'm like, yes, because at one point in my life, I was proficient in Spanish. I was pretty decent in French. Like, you know, I had it and I could still read it pretty well. And when I travel, I can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can get around well, but like I cannot speak and I have zero confidence in speaking. And so every year yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy that $300 class for $29 mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it. And I never do it and I get the little thing that it expired every year. <laughs> Can't even tell you how, I mean, what is, how do you even start that you're really going to do this? Yeah. So, um, to comfort you a little bit, I think that happens even <laughs> to the best of us, even like for as much as I know, like the learning science behind language learning, that's really tempting. Um, and so I think a better strategy that works for the grown ups and the kids, um, is to set really short term 
language goals that instead of thinking like I'm going to, you know, reachieve the French that I had at, you know, at some earlier point, think instead that, you know, three weeks from now, I want to, you know, be able to say this, you know, sentence about myself or to understand the, you know, the lyrics in, in this song I've been listening to. You know, if you can set much shorter and much more concrete goals, it allows you to like pass the finish line more frequently, which feels really good. Um, but it's a way to like self-assess, to constantly check in and see how well you're doing. That, you know, if you and your child are really interested in K-pop, you know, maybe you start with three weeks from now, let's check in and look at the lyrics of the song that you love, how many of them um, you know, how many of the words do you understand? And then, you know, another three weeks, well, how many more? And maybe you graduate, um, to getting a lot of the words. And, you know, if you were, a, had a really musically inclined kid, maybe they start writing their own, you know, lyrics. Um, but if you do these more frequent, more short-term and really personal language goals, there's a better chance of you sticking with it. Um, it's more rewarding and you can, you, you see your progress much more easily. I also feel like with languages, there's such a great opportunity to reward yourself with themes that tie into your language, like whether it's a little gift from that place or a food or something like that. That's the kind of thing that would keep me motivated. Yes, yes. See, so there's so much opportunity to personalize. Um, and so I think something that um, might happen more easily for people learning languages and for learning other, um, you know, other subjects is that you know, language is something that we do, right? This, you know, in the rest of our lives, we use the languages we know to connect with people, to achieve other goals, to, like you're saying, to cook, you know, we, we look up recipes or we watch things on Netflix. Um, and so in the rest of our lives, we're using language to do things. Um, and so you can do that with new languages too, with languages that you're studying. You know, tried looking up recipes, maybe even in English, you know, um, I've started studying Portuguese earlier this year. And, you know, maybe you start by looking up Brazilian recipes in English just because you're interested to learn something about the culture and the people and see if you can graduate to, you know, looking up the recipes in the language that you're studying. But you're absolutely right that there's there's ways to connect languages to what you're already doing, to the things you already care about. I find it so fascinating, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit, how, um, you know, when, when you're a child, when you're a kid, your brain is just wired to accept that language. You know, like if, if your parents are bilingual and they talk to mm -hmm. you in two different languages, you just, that's just a visceral reaction. You say certain words in one language and certain in another. And it's so easy for kids to learn language. But when you become older, it almost feels like your brain is wired differently. And, mm -hmm. and it's not as easy to learn the language, it really becomes a task or a chore. Yeah, so, that, so that's definitely true. Although it's not true in the ways I think that we always think it is. Um, so kids are certainly right, their brains just are more plastic in a lot of ways. Um, but they also have the advantage of being totally immersed in the language or languages that they're hearing with um, people who engage with them, you know, in this really personal way about the language. Um, and they have an opportunity to interact right from the beginning in the language that they're, that they're hearing, the languages that they're learning. And so kids kind of have it easy in the sense that they get this really immersive experience constantly with people who care about them understanding and repeat things and accommodate and rephrase things. Um, and so actually one of the biggest challenges for adults is getting that kind of input. That with that kind of input, we actually see 
often pretty similar learning outcomes that you can get to pretty similar proficiency levels, even as an adult. Um, it's just so hard because we're also doing things like working and taking <laughs> care of kids and, you know, going grocery shopping and, you know, doing bills and all these things that we, we rarely have the time or the exposure, the input um, to interact in a really personal way with the languages. But if we do, um, we definitely see much better outcomes. Oh, that's so encouraging because I really do feel like I just got a lot dumber as I got older and it no, just got so much no, harder. So like got busier. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, you're taking care of yourself. <laughs> I I mean, I also wonder if um, and obviously kids, they learn your, you know, obviously all those things are true about the repetition and what they're hearing. But I also wonder if there's just a lack of. Um, insecurity and self-consciousness when you're a kid, mm -hmm. like kids will say things incorrectly all yes. the time, right? Yeah. That's what I run, I, you know, whatever they say. And you say, okay, you ran. But as an adult, I, um, even when I took language in college, like I f actually found that was the hardest part was this fear of sounding, um, you know, stupid basically, or just incorrect. Whereas when you're really learning a language as a little kid, like you don't care, you're just saying it however you say. I mean, hopefully, hopefully people are making you feel bad. But you know, it's um, I saw it with my daughters too. One takes German and one takes Spanish, and they their reading was really fluent. They couldn't mm. speak at all because they were terrified to speak, yeah. just terrified. Yeah. So in education. Um, fields, you'll sometimes hear this called monitoring that little kids, um, and that's not even fair, all kinds of kids um, <laughs> uh, do a lot less self-monitoring of their production, of their correctness, that they're much more focused on like the communicative value of what they're saying. Is what I'm saying getting the job done? And you know, okay, so it's not I ran, but you knew what I said, mom, didn't you? Right? So um, they're much more worried about content and like that that kind of core communication value and you're exactly right that as we get older we do a lot more of this monitoring that we're worried we're self-conscious um, and part of that is because we are so good at the language that we already speak and so it feels really hard to be in um, like you said in a, a Spanish class uh, at a college level and suddenly you don't sound as eloquent or smart and you're kind of fumbling and are you communicating, you know, whatever that core value is you're trying to communicate. Um, and so that is really hard to overcome um, the, the self-monitoring. Yeah. So do you find that something like an app um, can sort of help with that because you're, I mean, you're just sort of talking to an app? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of really interesting work, right? That when you are, um, when you think you're talking to a machine, uh, that you you behave differently, um, and that can be, I think, can be a lot better for your learning. That you're you're feeling you kind of take away those social monitoring costs. That there aren't classmates um, for you to feel judged by, even if they're not doing it, right? So much of this is internal. Um, that right, that you can feel more comfortable because you're eliminating some of those uh, sometimes intimidating factors. Um, what I would also add is um, to not take the easy way out, maybe. <laughs> and this is certainly true on, on an app like Duolingo, that um, you can turn off some of those speaking settings, right? Um, but you shouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, that you don't, you wouldn't want to get in the habit of um, 
of not having to do that producing, even though it feels so different from reading or writing, even though you feel less confident that from the very beginning, make sure you are doing that producing, whether it's talking to an app, talking to the technology that you're using, or now, you know what, we are all locked down at home. Um, why not walk around saying it? You know, you're at home. You could be narrating things to yourself. You could be practicing things out loud. We're no longer on, you know, public buses and walking down busy streets. No one's going to look at you if you're, um, <laughs> you know, practicing French in the, in the kitchen. Uh, so, so I would take advantage of those opportunities too. Even if you are outside, I've found that wearing a mask, I can like sing along with my headphones and nobody really knows. They can't like I'm not singing out loud, like I'm just mouthing it, but nobody can see. So, yeah, walk down the street practicing Italian. Yes. Yeah, yeah. especially mask. if you've got headphones on and you're listening to it, people think you're just talking on the phone. Right. Yeah. Oh, that is a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> I support all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also wondering, um, it's funny, I just finished a Netflix show away, which is about the astronauts going to Mars. And mm. a big one whole episode is about how the Chinese astronaut um, learned English. And it was all through karaoke. <laughs> and so and that's kind of how her English became so, so, so good because she became, you know, she learned idioms, like the whole thing. Um, and I was kind of wondering, like, is that true? <laughs> like, could you really because you always see tv shows where like they learned through tv they all of a sudden they watch uh -huh. tv for a week and suddenly they could speak the language you know um, oh that girl at the border went viral months ago because she spoke almost perfect english and she said that she had learned it all through watching soap operas right <laughs> like that seems hard to me <laughs> I don't yeah know. i don't want to um, discount or disprove any one of these isolated stories because I don't. So I have not seen a way. I don't know about the viral girl at the border. Um, <laughs> I would also be surprised if that was really the only way they were learning. I think you're absolutely right that something like um, music or movies really gives you a lot of insight into the culture and these phrases and slang um, and things that you might not find in a more academic style language course. Um, but there's often, often these kinds of people are also really, really motivated. And so they might not realize all the other things that they're doing to support their learning. Um, my, my dad will often say, my dad um, is, uh, his first language is Spanish. And when he came to the U.S., you know, he'll often say that he learned English through cartoons. Um, and I think he really believes this. I think this gave him a lot of insight into the culture and all these things that we said, you know, phrases and slang and idioms. Um, but he was also immersed in an English language environment and going to English speaking schools and right. Mm -hmm. Kids monitor so much less and kids are really motivated to, you know, fit in socially. And so that helps their language learning. So, um, so I have no doubt that like karaoke, um, and songs and movies that all really helps. Um, but often those super motivated learners who are seeking those things out, have done or are doing other things to, to help their learning as well. Yeah, but saying that you sat in an immersion class doesn't go viral. So. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Nobody writes a screenplay about it. <laughs> no, I don't know. There's an odd, I would tune in for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is so so i have to ask a little bit of duolink i, I mean my yeah. my daughters tried i don't know if they tried duolink they definitely had different apps that they were trying out to um particularly at the end of their senior year um because everything went remote and they still had yeah. these crazy ap exams like it was mm-hmm. just silly um mm-hmm. and so it became like okay well may, let's give this a shot um how what is the thinking behind something like duolingo um you know how is it different than what your traditional learning foreign language class would be? Yeah, so here we're really committed to combining um, what we know from learning science, so from backgrounds like mine, um, language and teaching experts, and uh, uniting that with technology and with innovation. Um, And so that does a couple things for us. One is that it makes really um, high quality language teaching available to more people, people who are outside classrooms or outside universities, different age groups or different geographical locations. Um, And so this served us really well um, when we all locked down, that we needed technology to kind of step in and do what we couldn't be doing um, in classroom settings. Uh, So this, this... combination of learning science and technology gets us this accessibility component that we really care about. But there's also a lot of things that technology can do for us that um, is a lot harder uh, for in-person learning. And so I think to, you know, when I taught college Spanish classes, I might be in a class with 20, 25, 30 students, and it's really hard to give individualized personal feedback to each of those 30 students. Um, And so one thing that technology affords us is the ability to to teach um, the technology to use machine learning to give really individualized feedback, to see what you're struggling with, what are your mistakes, what do you need more practice with, which parts of the course can we see that you're doing um, well on, and maybe we can move you through more quickly. Um, And so I think technology allows us to do this adaptation and personalizing to give each student what they need um, in a way that is really tough for teachers who are, you know, um, in a classroom with sometimes dozens of students. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, um, well, anything personalized is going to be better, but language in particular seems Mm -hmm. really hard to cover in 40 minutes, you know, three Mm -hmm. times a week. Um, So if a parent let's go back. And I know you guys launched um, a product for littler kids, a Duolingo mm-hmm. ABC um, for ages three to seven. And since we know that sort of the younger kids are when they start, the the better they pick it up, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though you've assured us that we can still do this as adults. Um, <laughs> um, Just know, not as easily. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, maybe we need the three to seven year old version too. But um you know, what is it that's that's different about aiming um, this foreign language technology at a younger cohort? Yeah, so so we have these two apps. We have the adult language learning app um, that a lot of people are familiar with. And we have this new app, um, Duolingo ABC, which is teaching literacy skills to kids in their first language. And so the goals of the, um, the two apps are pretty different. Um, that first one for, for the adults is to teach a new language. We offer 39 different languages. Um, and so there we're assuming that you can already read and write um, pretty well in the language you already speak. So, you know, in our case, English. Um, and so we would teach you French, but kind of rely on English to explain things to you. 
Now the, the new app, the literacy app is really different because this is teaching reading and writing skills in English to English speaking kids. Um, and so this, if you uh, can think back to like phonics classes or sight words, um, to learning to, to match these, you know, honestly, these squiggly little letters that we have uh, with the sounds they represent, that is what we're doing um, in the new app. And so these are, I would say that they're related in, in the sense that our mission is still to, to develop the best education in the world and make it universally available. Um, and we know that one of the impediments um, that people have all over the world, and including here in the US, um, is liter literacy skills. Uh, Research has shown that students with really low reading levels are more likely to get poor grades, um, have dis behavioral problems, um, be held back in school or even drop out of school um, entirely. And so literacy uh, is like this key that unlocks access to science information and math education and um, the Internet and communication news and politics and all of the ways that we interact with with written language. Um, even in our first language. And there's a lot we can do to make that more equitable as well. No, I love that. I love that also they're like little lessons, like they could be five minutes. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, that seems like a really um, nice way for parents to be able to fit in and also that you can do multiple profiles. So like, mm -hmm, if you have, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a pod, if you made a pod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and also that you allow parents to skip ahead. I think, yeah, um, right. you know, part of that is that's what's happening now with remote learning. It's not it's not homeschooling, which we've talked about on this show, that mm -hmm. there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You are following a prescribed curriculum now. Um, you're not designing it yourself. So this I think parents really need stuff to supplement um, where they might sure. feel like their kids are bored and whatever it is, you know. Yeah, so I think that's a great point that, you know, we built this course, the Duolingo ABC course, um, to assume no prior reading knowledge that, um, you know, we built this for a child who doesn't know any letters yet. Um, and so we take you from start to finish uh, that, you know, it goes up to seven. Um, we'll be releasing second grade lessons at the end of this academic year. Um, and so you as a parent or a teacher or any caregiver can, um, you know, tailor that, that if you are starting with a three-year-old who really doesn't know anything, you can start right at the beginning of the course, but you can also kind of place out depending on what you might have already been doing um, with your child previously or this summer or in complement with, with a class. All right. So parents need to learn a new language. Yes. <laughs> you need to get your kids literate. <laughs> this is the project now for... COVID fall and COVID winter, project. Right? That's right. You have all these tools right in your hand. You know, especially because I've heard so many kids who um, study languages, you know, all through high school and then college. And when they go do a semester abroad or they live with a host family that's only speaking that language and they become immersed in it is when it really, really sets in. And so since yeah. we're not traveling... It would be great for now the whole family to learn the new language. <laughs> Maybe everybody yeah. should start talking it. That's right. Yeah, you get all these conversational partners at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, something else that 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 comment reminds me of is that um, do so. In addition to everything else that has been moved online, um, Duolingo used to, to host these in-person language events that now, of course, are all virtual. Um, and so this is groups of language learners all over the world, including native speakers who guide the, the, these, 
you know, these exchanges, these interactions um, in the target language. And so, you know, if you're someone who's studying Spanish or you and your pod, you and your whole family who you've recruited to study Spanish with you can join one of these events to practice speaking, to practice listening. A lot of them have... Um, like a, a guided activity, maybe it's a drawing class or a yoga class in Spanish, a cooking class in Spanish. Um, and so I think that's another really fun way to connect with people, connect with people who are also language learners, to also see some of these native speakers, to teach you do, to do a thing, right? Um, I'm, I'm always really, I never want people to think of language learning as like studying flashcards in a corner in like a quiet room, right? You know, again, language is this thing you do. And so why not, um, you know, incorporate those elements while we're all having, you know, Zoom hangouts and Skype visits and seeing each other on the computer. You can be doing, you know, this language socializing um, on the computer as well. Oh, I love that. Plus, it like gets you off of your regular Zoom rotation of the same yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, right. It's new because, I mean, this is, again, I think, I hope something that we take away from, from this lockdown, from the pandemic, is all of the advantages that technology affords us. And one of them is that we can connect really easily with people who are really far away. And that's true of family and friends, but it's also true of these new people. And so how great that I can sit down and have an actual conversation um, with a, you know, a native Spanish speaker from Colombia who's going to teach me how to make you know, a dish uh, that's, you know, important in their culture, um, that that's something I can do while I'm in my kitchen in Pittsburgh. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy. This was so, I don't know, interesting and um, and reassuring that we can yes. learn a language still. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like ready yeah, for my can. Cyber Monday sale now again this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, then I'm going to check in with you in three weeks and see how you're doing on check your, you know, the new I'm, music that I, you're listening that's to. That's right. I'm determined yeah. to learn Italian. Um, okay. So <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, we will have links to all the things we talked about, you know, all these aspects, all the Duolingo programs and, um, and everything. And, you know, thank you again and be safe. And you'll have to check in when you learn Portuguese and, and yes. tell us how it went. <laughs> Obrigada. Yeah. Thank oh, you to God, see all. You already. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah, thank you so Adios. much. This was really a lot of fun. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> Hasta luego. We'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? I have a fun one. Um, it's another podcast, and it is really made for children, but I've been listening to it for months now. <laughs> Um, or however long, whenever I discovered it when Hamilton came out on Disney Plus, because this podcast did a Hamilton episode in conjunction with that. And then I just went back and started listening to old ones. But it's called History Storytime. And it's two little girls in England and their dad. And they're little. They're like, I don't know, four and seven or five and eight, somewhere around there. And um, they've got these adorable little British voices. And then their dad has a great radio voice. And they just do these really interesting, entertaining history episodes. And like it, it ranges, you know, like they don't seem to do history in any order or any theme like they've done Hamilton, um, the slave trade, uh, smallpox vaccine, the space race. Like, you know, they just jump around to whatever they find interesting. And it's really well done. Um, 
I learn something every time. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's great for, I think, all ages, but it's it's probably aimed at kids like around, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in there. And I also want to mention that we did an episode a while back, really popular episode with um, our favorite podcasts. Mm -hmm. So and I didn't know about this one then. So maybe I'll go back and update that or just do like a new article with our favorite podcasts. So or maybe um, we need to do a new episode. Yeah, we really do. Because I you know, that's not especially with so many kids at home, right? Yes, yes. With with kids looking for things to listen to. So history story time, Um, you can find it, you know, everywhere you listen to podcasts or on historystorytime.com. Awesome. All right, Andrea, what do you have? Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so last week, I or the last two weeks, actually, I've been researching products for an article that I did for Techlicious, where I write. It's called 12 Essential Home Office Accessories. And it's basically, oh, I thought there were 13. Well, it says 12. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be lucky. Maybe they dropped I don't 13. Know. <laughs> Maybe we combine two of them, but I really, you know, I have a home office, you know, I've been working from home for the longest time, but people are setting up these makeshift offices and I, I'm not talking about ergonomics, but just like, what do you need? How can you make it easier? How can you make it so that it comes somewhat close to what you have in your real office? If, if you're used to working in a real office and even for kids who are doing remote learning, you know, everyone's got a little Chromebook or a laptop now, and we all need power and we all need Wi-Fi. So I did a roundup of um, gadgets all the way from a Wi-Fi booster to a cellular booster to webcams. Um, I was saying that I've been using the webcam built into my Lenovo laptop, which I love beyond reason, but the webcam's not quite up to, to par. And um, Logitech was kind enough to send me their Brio webcam and I started using it and it literally has changed everything. I mean, it's just, it, 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 the lighting is so much better. The focus is so much better. They're hard to get right now, but you can, um, keep checking online for them because so many people are getting them, uh, backlit keyboards and a mouse that doesn't make any noise, a silent mouse. So if two or three mm. kids are in the same room clicking, you don't hear the clickety <laughs> click, click, click. And then the other thing that's really changed what I do, I have to say, as the technology guru extraordinaire, I did have one box and three books propping up my laptop. I mean, that's pathetic, <laughs> Wait, right? Wait, I have two books right now <laughs> propping up my laptop. And my daughter has a beautiful stand for hers, yeah. and I literally have two books underneath my laptop I use right cookbooks. Now. Well, I mean, I, the books didn't do it. So I wound up getting a, you know, a box from one of my tech gadgets just to make it high enough. And well, at least so, it was a tech gadget box. <laughs> so now I have a stand and it's beautiful and it's got space because you know how my cat likes to flop onto my keyboard <laughs> and undo everything and restart my computer and change the orientation. And when he comes, now I just take my keyboard my wireless keyboard and I just really quickly shove it in like underneath the stand where it's <laughs> hidden away and so he can't flop on it. But anyway, there's tons of great ideas there. Phone soap, which will, you know, clean 99.99% of the yuck on your phone. Um, all kinds of good stuff. So we will link to it. Oh, that sounds awesome. I actually need to check that out now because I was going to say to you, having like a bunch of hair products on your desk isn't okay, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
bowls of random jewelry. Like that's that's my. I should take a picture of my setup for this. Oh my god! You should, of we should all take a picture. Yeah, he would just. I mean, it's my vanity that is now my desk, and it's uh, something's got to give. And oh my Andrea, god. I think that article is going to cost me some money. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, you know, the other thing is people were saying like their kids. Okay, so now they've got the wireless mouse. They've got a webcam. They've got like. You know, they want to have um, a backup device, a hard drive backup, which actually I didn't include in this. That should have been in it. Um, and so then what you need is a USB port extender, right? Because your laptop may only have one or two USB ports. So then you have to get one of those things where you plug in one USB and you get four more so you can add all these peripherals. So, yeah, yeah it might cost you some money. My daughters have a beautiful anchor um, little extender dock that... Mm. Um, matches like the macbook pro perfectly like everything matches and it had everything it had because they have a usb-c which is just i mean such a pain so it gave them regular usb another usb-c uh hdmi Mm -hmm. um, sd card like it was everything they needed to then be hooked into you know the the monitor because there were so many things that's Um, what you need i actually have one in here i wrote about the anchor one is fabulous and i and i put a couple of them in here too at different price points andrea you know what you should include um in this in your little uh podcast update for the backup um do you remember when we worked with western digital in january in the before times that little one the the did they send you one they sent me one the the little uh, one terabyte one? The, it, yeah, the teeny tiny one terabyte oh, yeah. drive. That's right. I should have put that in. Oh, my God. It is so tiny. And it's the size of a flash drive. It's it's like, but like a tiny flash drive. Like See, it's those like, scare me. I, I know it sounds weird, but I feel <laughs> like I have a bunch of them floating around. I'm not kidding. And I'm always like, what's on this? Like, I... I I don't know. I'm such a fan of the cloud. <laughs> All those little things flying around. No, this no, that one was amazing. I, I'm a fan of the cloud, too. I actually back up everything in two different clouds because I'm paranoid. But if you need to, of course, if you need to transfer or like just have a physical backup, like you're this thing, it's it's not cheap. Yeah. So you're not going to throw it in a drawer like you're going right. to know where it is, but it holds a terabyte. And I was showing it to my son the other day and I was telling him the story of when my husband and I got a computer right before I feel like it was like 1998 99 and our computer hard drive had um a gigabyte oh yeah of storage and we were like awesome. we were like we're never gonna fill this up like there's no way to fill up a gigabyte of storage in a computer yep. this is we crazy. did that with that, two gigabytes wasn't that Bill Gates famous quote about the Commodore 64 was no it? Ever needed, yeah, more than 64 oh kilobytes or whatever. It was like, who's going to need more than that? That was like the famous quote. I don't know if it actually, you know, I don't know if it's one of those things that's been attributed to him, not, you know, cor- incorrectly, but that was like the famous quote about the Commodore 64. Oh, my God. <laughs> so now I'm really dating myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so now that we've sold a bunch of stuff to people for for no gain for <laughs> including ourselves. Including me. Instead of including ourselves. This podcast is costing us a lot of money. Um, my bite this week is for everyone maybe thinking about starting to take road trips. Maybe you have been taking road trips. You know, people really don't want to fly. Condé Nast Traveler, which um, – is a magazine that I've been trying to cancel for four years. And no matter how many times I do, it keeps coming. <laughs> me too, um, and I never started it. I never started it either, and it makes me crazy. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a little um, love here because 
I feel like, you know, it's all it's always aspirational. Condé Nast Traveler, it's always ridiculous, but it's especially ridiculous now. However, they did an article this week called 50 States, 50 Cuisines, the Food Worth Traveling for in Every State. And it is not at all what you expect. There's not a lobster to be had in Maine. There's not (laughs) fried chicken to be had in Tennessee. Like it is the really the ethnic um, food of whatever the biggest immigrant group really is in that state. And it is amazing. It's just things you would have no idea. Like Alabama is Greek cuisine. Huh. I'm like, what? Um, There's a lot of native cuisine in the Southeast. Um, Do you remember what New York was? New York is, hold on, I think I can get to it. I was going to say, it's like so many things you would never, ever think of. Like my daughter is in Nashville right now, and um, it's Kurdish food (laughs) in Nashville. Like they describe, there's like the biggest Kurdish community outside of Iraq. I feel like Um, I read an article about that. So it reminds me of um, Padma, um, The Taste of the Nation. Yeah, a show that I pit, you know, that was my bite a few yeah a few months ago it's kind of like that where you're like you've got to be kidding like new york is guyanese cuisine oh wow guyana um and then also like obviously a shout out to jackson heights um with colombian cuisine oh no colombian yeah oh wow um which is amazing there but like it's just it's one of those things where you're like really like this is so interesting and then they describe kind of the best restaurants that have that um in New Jersey, it's Ghanaian cuisine from Ghana. Wow. Right? I from Senegal. I've never seen a restaurant that had that kind of food here. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. It said um, a version of the diversity visa program, which enabled, um, came to benefit West African countries like Nigeria, the Ivory Coast, Senegal, and Ghana. And they started coming in and they settled in North and Central New Jersey in Newark and Union which has led to a big rush of restaurants. And that's so weird because Newark is known for the Portuguese restaurants. I know. It's really interesting. So um, the restaurant they say, Andrea, I'll tell you, it's Asanka Cuisine in Somerset. I'm going to go look it up. I know. This may cost me money. Amazing. (laughs) Um, They also said that New Jersey's home to the largest Peruvian enclave in the United States in Patterson. I know. I'm like, this is like crazy. I'm like, I, who knew? So for them I'm, for I'm not sure going all obvious. the people who ate all the food there knew. Um, but it is really, really cool. It's so, it's a very un-Condé nasty, <laughs> you know, kind <laughs> of article. So I was kind of surprised with that too. But um, although maybe they're all trying harder. But anyway, um, we will link to the article and it's, you know, maybe you'll just discover something new about where you live now um, that you like. Like I didn't, like Andrea just did. <laughs> just so, it's very cool, um, and it just reminds you of um, all. I, I don't know. It's my favorite thing about America is just how incredibly varied um, the food is ethnically. It's certainly my favorite thing about New York because everybody comes here from everywhere else. So that's our one of the big benefits is also getting all this amazing food. Um, so that is our show for today. You can find links to everything we talked about at parentingbites.com on facebook.com slash parentingbites. You can find links to the show page. Please leave us comments. Let us know shows you'd like to hear, ideas you have. Let us know how you're doing during this pandemic. Or podcasts for kids that you want to add to my list. Yeah, please. Any suggestions? Facebook's the place to leave us those comments and message us. 
Um, if you'd like it to be private, it doesn't have to be public on the Facebook page. And until next week, please rate, review, subscribe, and share wherever you are listening to us now. Until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we recommended, it's at your own risk.